Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. The passages that we will study today are Matthew 28, 19, Mark 10, 13 through 16, and Luke 18, 15. These are the last passages from the list found in the Westminster Confession of Faith to support the baptism of infants of believing parents. Matthew 28:19 states, "Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost." Previously, we quoted from Robert Shaw's exposition of the Westminster Confession, and referring to this passage, he gave the following quote, Warrantableness of infant baptism may lie inferred from the commission of the apostles to baptize all nations, which certainly includes infants, and from the practice of the apostles who baptized households upon a profession of faith by their domestic heads. End of quote. As you can see, he said that infant baptism was inferred from this passage. John Calvin, when commenting on this passage, said, quote, But as Christ enjoins them to teach before baptizing, and desires that none but believers shall be admitted to baptism, it would appear that baptism is not properly administered unless when it is preceded by faith, end of quote. Calvin further comments that this, quote, appearance is a, quote, pretense and only applies to Gentiles, and he proceeds to connect baptism with God's covenant to Abraham in Genesis 17:7, inferring that now, children of one or more believers are included. Nevertheless, it still remains, as Calvin said, Matthew 28, 19 appears to say otherwise. Calvin also stated regarding Matthew 3, 6 and Mark 1, 5, quote, that men may come forward in a right manner to be baptized Confession of sins is demanded from them. Otherwise, the whole performance would be nothing but an idle mockery, end of quote. In order to make allowances for his reformed views of infants and small children, he says this is for adults. Allow me to say that many quotes like this can be supplied by other reformers. Calvin was not alone in stating the obvious of these and other like passages. However, in both passages, nothing is said or implied in the passages regarding infant baptism or even anything about infants. The Protestants or Reformers build their doctrines on inferences and supposition. Matthew 28:19 plainly declares that the order is first teach and then baptism. Also verse 20 follows with further teaching after baptism. This cannot be done with infants and small children. The obvious sense from the text is that when one understands the truth of the gospel, baptism follows. To read into the scriptures as Shaw does, 
and not accept the scriptures as God inspired them is unwarranted to say the least and dangerous to say the most. Our Lord said in Revelation 22, uh, 20 and 21, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. I am not saying the Protestants are necessarily willful or malicious in their interpretations, but I am saying that it is a serious matter to deny the plain teaching of God's Word and to read into it what is not said or plainly taught. Now we come to the last two passages. Since both passages are in the same context, we will study them together. First is Mark ten, thirteen through 16. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, and he put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Second is Luke eighteen fifteen, and he brought and they brought unto him also infants, that he should touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Let us quote again from Calvin in his commentary on the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Regarding these passages, along with Matthew 19.13, he said, Those little children have not yet any understanding to desire his blessing. But when they are presented to him... He gently and kindly receives them and dedicates them to the Father by a solemn act of blessing. End of quote. The passages do say that the Lord took them in his arms and blessed them. But they do not say that Christ dedicated them to the Father. That is inferred as the Reformers do in so many other passages regarding the baptism of infants or small children. Calvin further states, quote, He declares that he wishes to receive children, and at length taking them in his arms, he not only embraces but blesses them by the laying on of hands, from which we infer that his grace is extended even to those who are of that age, end of quote. Notice that Calvin said that, quote, we infer that his grace is extended to those who are of that age, end of quote. Here's another inference. He went on to say, quote, to exclude from the grace of redemption 
those who are of that age would be too cruel. And therefore, it is not without reason that we, enjoy, we employ this passage as a shield against the Anabaptist. They, that is the Anabaptist, refuse baptism to infants because infants are incapable of understanding the mystery which is denoted by it. We, on the other hand, maintain that since baptism is the pledge and figure of forgiveness of sins, and likewise of adoption by God, it ought not to be denied to infants, whom God adopts and washes with the blood of His Son. Their objection, by their objection, Calvin is referring to Anabaptists, their objection that repentance and newness of life are also denoted by it, is easily answered. Infants are renewed by the Spirit of God according to the capacity of their age, till that power which was concealed within them grows by degrees and becomes fully manifest at the proper time. In short, by embracing them, he testified that they were reckoned by Christ among his flock, and if they were partakers of the spiritual gifts which are represented by baptism, it is unreasonable that they should be deprived of the outward sign. End of quote. Calvin and the Reformers and Protestants of today infer that grace is extended to those of that age and that, quote, God adopts and washes them with the blood of his Son. End of quote. They also maintain that, quote, infants are renewed by the Spirit of God according to the capacity of their age, till that power which was concealed within them grows by degrees and becomes fully manifest at the proper time. End of quote. And children infants are, quote, reckoned by Christ among his flock and partakers of the spiritual gifts, end of quote. If this is true, then all infants or children who are baptized are either saved or fall out of grace and are lost. No wonder Charles Hodge said when writing about infant baptism, quote, Do let the little ones have their names written in the Lamb's book of life, even if they afterward choose to erase them. Being thus enrolled may be the means of their salvation, end of quote. That's from Hodge's Systematic Theology, Volume 3, page 588, by the way. One thing is obvious from these passages. Nothing is stated in them about baptism. Whatever is included in the blessing given by Christ it is certain that nothing was said about baptism. Furthermore, it is obvious that Christ did not baptize them because the scriptures state that, quote, Jesus himself baptized not, end of quote, John 14. We have studied all the passages connected with the subject of baptism, with one exception, 
and the Greek words used associated with those verses. And nothing was said about infants or small children being baptized. We also looked at those passages supplied in the Westminster Confession of Faith given to support the baptism of infants. And again, we did not find any verse that stated that infants were baptized or were candidates or subjects for baptism. Therefore, the scriptures are clearly silent on the matter. May we always yield ourselves to the authority of God, the Holy Scriptures, and not be guilty of building doctrine on infancies and suppositions, but humble ourselves to the clear teaching of the Word of God. The one exception passage I mentioned is 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. It reads, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. This passage is often used by both Baptists and Protestants to teach what is considered spirit baptism or regeneration. The Lord willing, we will study this passage in our next broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.